comes and turn off the lights. Welcome to Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. If all is going smoothly, and I think it has been, we had some sound issues early on, obviously, and the occasional sound issues still, because I can't afford a nice recording setup. But anyway, assuming it's going okay, this episode should be up on Halloween. Samhain, or Sam Hain, for you people who've just seen these movies and don't know much. And it's a good week. The new movie was out. And for me, Halloween is only next week. I'm not that far ahead right now. You know, it's Halloween. I guess Happy Halloween. Good scare, huh? I hope you're having a good time today. Episodes go up in the morning, so I hope you're doing something really good later today. We begin minute 47 in the middle of a word. Annie tried the light switch in the laundry room and nothing happened. Annie. Riffic. If you're just jumping in now, she said, terrific. We are in the Wallace's laundry room, a separate shed in the backyard. Really, we are in associate producer Coolusby's backyard laundry shed, or maybe her kitchen. Reports vary. Annie goes to the other end of the shed, which also has a refrigerator in it, so maybe it's a garage, except it's not the garage. Annie's car is parked in the garage, and the house used for the exterior of the Wallace house doesn't even have a garage, does it? Well, it does today, but in 1978? What is this shed for? Now, I read a bit from the novelization in the last minute where we learned that this shed exists in the reality of the movie because Mrs. Wallace doesn't like the noise of, you know, washer and dryer, at least according to Lindsay. But at Cool Lusby's, maybe this is a garage? Or it's her kitchen? And maybe Carpenter, we wouldn't notice the refrigerator? Or maybe people have extra refrigerators in their laundry sheds? I mean, we had a big freezer that was the same size as our refrigerator that was in our back room of our house when I was a kid. That wasn't a separate shed, though. To be fair, I don't think I ever noticed the refrigerator before looking at the movie slowed down like this. The crew also may not have noticed the refrigerator. I learned recently that production unplugged the refrigerator and neglected to plug it back in, so a bunch of ghouls' food was ruined. Annie goes to the other side of the shed to see her detergent options. Angle on door, seconds five through seven, the door creaks shut. Annie looks briefly, then returns her attention to the detergent. Seconds 13 to 16, the door creaks open. Behind the door, we see the outline of the shape standing there. And he does not seem close enough to be touching the door. Angle on Annie. Annie turns toward the slightly open door. Annie, hello? Silence. Annie, who's there? In the script, it says silence. The wind blows the door open a little wider. In the light from the main house, Annie sees the light switch. Quickly, she flicks on the switch and the laundry room lights up. She glances outside the door. This doesn't happen. They didn't have the wind stuff through most of the film, and she's already tried the light switch and it didn't work. Annie heads for the open doorway to look outside. There is no one there. Annie. Paul, is this one of your cheap tricks? Second 28. In yet another instance of I never noticed until I slowed this thing down to one minute at a time, we see a foot on the stone path below Annie's left arm, and it moves out of frame. 
Someone is right outside that door. Annie, I guess not. She steps back inside and crosses to the washing machine. She opens the top and dumps her clothes inside. Annie, no tricks for Annie tonight. And it's weird. Looking at this in my notes, I'm like, did she say that line? I had to actually pause the recording, go back and play the minute, because that's not a line I remember from so many times watching this movie. Maybe at that moment I'm just looking at that glass, getting ready to see the shape again. I don't know. She pours a lot of Tide into that washing machine for just her t-shirt, her blouse, and her slacks. In the novelization, she reads aloud the instructions on the washing machine as if she has never done laundry before. Quote, she studied the dials on the washer, talking to herself to keep her jittery nerves under control. Let's see, place the clothes inside, that I can do pretty well. Add soap or detergent, got it. Add fabric softener or bluing in reservoir where indicated. Bluing? And I have to pause the quote because I didn't know what that meant. So I got onto Google really quick. Apparently, I don't know if this is still a thing, but white fabrics, because they get discolored and turn like gray or yellow over time, they would put bluing in there, which was essentially it's adding a trace of blue dye to the laundry over time. Because that, let me read the description. Since blue and yellow are complementary colors in the subtractive color model of color perception, adding a trace of blue color to the slightly off-white color of these fabrics makes them appear whiter. Huh. Probably a whole bunch of you listening knew this, and I'm like, seemed like an idiot, but hey, never came up. Anyway, back to the quote. Add fabric softener or bluing in reservoir, where indicated. Fuck that. Close door, turn left-hand dial to cold, warm, or hot. I think I'll do warm to melt the butter. <sighs> I have to stop the quote again. I was talking just about two minutes ago now about how Annie's use of the cornstarch shows that she knows what she's doing. She knows how to deal with these clothes. This little description from the novelization is badly written in that regard because it counters it. I, I gotta, I gotta pause. <laughs> And then while paused, I get distracted. Because what I did, I opened up my uh, Word file of the novelization text that I put together so I can copy and paste easily, you know? And I find a passage I do not remember reading when I read this book a few months ago. Uh, it's be a couple of minutes ago now. Lori was, you know, badly improving. Um, quote, this is Annie. No, I mean, I just spilled melted butter all over myself. I gotta call you back. I just made a mess of myself, as usual. Stand by. Lori heard the sharp click and laughed. Annie was crazy, but she loved her. In fact, she loved her because she was crazy. Underneath the craziness was a warm person and a wonderful friend. Like this Ben Tramer thing. Sure, it was presumptuous of Annie to tell Ben that Lori liked him, but maybe it was all for the best. If Lori wasn't capable of expressing herself to boys, how were they ever going to ask her out? In this day and age, girls were far more forward than ever before. The double standard was falling daily. Maybe Lori would never be able to go as far as some of her friends, like Linda, whom Lori had seen go up to a perfectly strange guy at a bar and say she'd like to ball him. But at least she could go further in that direction than she did now. And if not, she had Annie doing it for her. It was still horribly embarrassing, but heck, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world exactly to get a phone call from Ben Tramer. End quote. It's kind of nice. I don't remember reading that. 
I certainly didn't highlight it, so or it would have been in my notes for two minutes ago. I'm actually open up the novelization though to find the point where she spills the butter because does she use the cornstarch in the novelization? I don't think she does. I'm wondering if that wasn't in the earlier script and at some point, like maybe on set, Deborah Hill's like, yeah, then you grab the cornstarch and put it on the stain or maybe Nancy Lomas knew it. I don't know, but in the novelization, there is no mention of the cornstarch. So... This part of the novelization is definitely suggesting that Annie is somewhat irresponsible, can't do her laundry, doesn't know what she's doing. Where was I? Uh, I think I'll do warm to melt the butter. Flip switch to small, medium, or large load. Let's call it small. Jesus, they ought to give a course in laundry at school. Interrupting again because they do. Well, not in laundry, but home ec existed in 1978. Turn right hand dial to wash, select number of minutes. Well, Annie, how does eight minutes sound to you? Wonderful. Pull dial out and get the fuck out of here. Two things. One, this episode just drifted into being marked as adult for sure. I put in my notes, even though I swear in the show all the time, because Annie gets two fucks in there. In the film, we get none. Two. Eight minutes. Whoever wrote the novel... Whoever wrote the novelization. (laughs) I have his name. It's... They're... No. No. Annie no movie Annie knows what she's doing. And it, you even see it. She doesn't go and look around and say all this crap. She goes and grabs the detergent, puts it in. She does put a lot, but she does put detergent in there. Can't tell what she sets the dial to, but I'm guessing not just eight minutes. She wants her clothes clean. She wants to keep the butter from staining. Seconds 42 to 43, suddenly, in the script, a big gust of wind comes through the open window above her. But that doesn't really happen. The door slams shut. The script says Annie hurries to the door and tries to open it, but really she slowly takes her hands off the washing machine start button and then moves to the door and tries to open it. It won't open. And we have an IMDb goof right here, and I don't think we've had one for a while. At around 47 minutes while doing her laundry, the laundry room door blows shut and supposedly locks Annie in. At this point, the lock on the door is in the vertical position, but as soon as Annie tries to open the door, we can clearly see that she turns the lock as she struggles to open it, for when she backs away from the door again... The lock is in the horizontal position, so yes, she locked herself in. When Lindsay comes to fetch her a few minutes later, the lock is mysteriously in the vertical position again. That was a very wordy way of putting it. Thank you. Random someone somewhere who wrote something. We'll talk again about IMDb Goose next week, actually. Technically, this is not a goof. Annie may have turned that lock because she thought the door was locked and she wanted to unlock it. That it has been turned back when Lindsay arrives in minute 49 could simply be Michael's doing. In behind-the-scenes terms, Nancy Loomis does deliberately lock the door, second 49, while somewhat blocking us from seeing what she's doing. Maybe, in reality, the door didn't stick at all, and that was the only way she could believably pull on it without it moving. In the script... Close shot on Annie, she tries to pull the door open. Behind her in the open window above the washing machine, we see the shape looking in. Annie, Lindsay, Lindsay, come out here. From the novelization, she pounded the glass panes of the door, attempted to smash them, but decided instead to try the window over the dryer and spare herself the hassle of explaining and repaying the Wallaces for the damage. And there he has her being responsible. This writer's inconsistent. But hey, at least he's not doing what uh, John Passarella does a few times in the novelization of the new Halloween film. There are segments in there that are literally, I mean, they gotta be word for word straight out of the script. Like suddenly it's present tense describing what the shape is doing. And he just puts it in italics and leaves it. And I'm like, 
it's you're adapting, right? Uh, yeah. A quick shot of the pathway to the laundry shed. We hear Annie, Lindsay, I'm in the lot. And the minute ends. Again, midward. That is all for minute 47. Before I go, an update. As you do, or as I do, I'm on IMDb checking things that Deborah Hill was script supervisor for. As I said, I was going to look for that to try to figure out who plays Edith Myers. And so I'm looking at uh, episodes of The Streets of San Francisco, and in particular an episode called Till Death Do Us Part, Season 5, Episode 7. And I drift away from it into an actress, Hope Alexander Willis. And from there, she happens to be in a movie called The Pack. So I click on that. It came out in 1977. It's about dogs. And so I'm looking for Edith, and I think I might have found the dog trainer. Pack has a dog trainer, Carl Lewis Miller. Carl L. Miller. Carl Lewis Miller, he's dead, unfortunately, so I can't I try to contact him and figure it out directly. But he worked on Dracula's Dog, which I looked up before. The Pack was filmed in Bodega Bay, California. So, California. Good. He also was the animal trainer on the Amityville Horror, which was filmed at least partly here in Glendale, California, and was released in 1978, so around the time of Halloween, he was local. So uh, it's possible Carl Miller might have been the quote-unquote dog trainer who killed Lester. And I got there from looking for Edith Myers. Go Michael ahead. Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram Michael Myers Minute. Or join our Facebook listeners group 45 Lambkin Lane. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. And if you really like what you hear, you can help me out by donating through Patreon at patreon.com slash Myers Minute. Have a wonderful or horrific Halloween. Be safe out there. And remember. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Until next time.